We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, everybody say Andrew. Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. These are the early days of Jesus' ministry. There are days that we often pass by in our Bible reading. I don't think we preach on these days near enough. These days are really quite exquisite. They're pretty amazing. And there's such a wonderful glimpse of how easy it is to meet our Jesus. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist like the day prior. So that's the story where the voice rings out in heaven. This is my beloved son, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. It's a beautiful story. Now the next day, John the Baptist was with two of his disciples. Whose disciples were they at this point? They were John the Baptist's disciples. And seeing Jesus passing by, the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples followed Jesus at the invitation of John the Baptist. Would Jesus allow these two disciples to follow? I don't know. They might be the wrong disciples. They might be the wrong denomination. Right? Oh, my goodness. Y'all, you know, don't get me started on this denominational stuff. Our denominational stuff has stopped us from, like, even believing other people are followers of Jesus. Like, Oh my gosh, sure you can be a follower of Jesus if you join our church. You weren't following Jesus before you joined our church. I'm just meddling. Teresa, I can't help it. I just meddle on denominational stuff. I, all right, couldn't help it. The answer is yes, Jesus would allow these disciples to follow him. You can't find in the Bible where he would not allow someone to follow him. Jesus doesn't leave anyone out nobody left out when it comes to our jesus all are invited all are invited one of the two disciples they gave us his name what was his name andrew his name was andrew and he tells who he tells his brother simon whom jesus calls peter <laughs> how would you like to meet jesus and you're like hi jesus and he's like you know People call you Simon, but you look more like a Peter to me. Like, he just calls you, like, a, a different name. That's, that's Jesus. It's a pretty cool story there. The other disciple of John goes unnamed. He remains unnamed. And I think that's really intriguing, right? Who is this guy? We don't know. In my opinion, the best guess is that the unnamed disciple is John, the writer of the Gospel of John. The epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. So right here in John 1, 
John puts himself in the story but doesn't name himself, and that's a reoccurring theme with John. In his writings, John really never talks about himself. So it could be John. It could be anybody, though. It really could. It could have been anybody, and it could have even been someone who just, who just followed him for a few days, but, but no further than that. It, still, Jesus allowed this person to follow them. John 1 and 43. So now we're moving on to the next passage of verses. Here it is. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Raise your hand if you've heard the story about Jesus walking up to disciples and saying, follow me. This is that story. It's right here. If you, if you never heard that story before, you should raise your hand now because you just read that story. All right. Verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. These are such beautiful invitations. There are far too many Christians who know Jesus, but have never invited someone else to know Jesus. Here, we see Andrew. We see Philip immediately turn and invite someone to come and meet Jesus Christ. Redemption Church, when was the last time we invited someone to come and meet Jesus Christ. These are such great memories where someone meets Jesus and they turn around and they invite their friends, they invite their family to meet Jesus also. It's a beautiful story. Just, it gets me worked up. It, like, actually, it hits my heart. It really hits my heart. Lord, let us be exactly like that. Church, this is how it's supposed to work. When you meet Jesus, you are supposed to share Jesus. You're not supposed to meet Jesus in secret. All of your friends are supposed to know about your first love. All your family are supposed to, to know about your, your revelation. We are invited to meet Jesus, and we invite others to meet Jesus as well. This is how it's supposed to work. Don't invite people to your church. Don't get me wrong. I, I want you to bring people to church, but invite them to meet Jesus. Don't invite people to hear your pastor. Invite them to meet Jesus. In the days of, like, pastor celebrities, celebrity pastors, gosh, isn't that a weird thing? Can we all nod? That's a little weird. That's a little weird. That's a Oh, my gosh. In the day of pastors, celebrity pastors, people are like, oh, you got to come here, my pastor. You know, that's, that's all well and good, but th there's something wrong with that. How it's supposed to be from the start is that we invite people to see Jesus, and we're so thrilled when they hear and hear the message of Jesus and come meet them for themselves. Hmm. There is even something Jesus taught us about baptism. Somebody say baptism. Someone who has met Jesus is plunged into the water. And we invite everyone to come watch us profess our faith.
following Jesus. That's what baptism is. Baptism is not a secret thing. It's a public thing. You come, you publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ, and you are plunged into Jesus. And everyone that sees that happens knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that person has met Jesus, and they belong to him. And that everybody goes crazy that also belongs to Jesus. And they're like, praise God, another person belongs to Jesus. It's awesome. Have you been baptized? I want you to be baptized. I want you to invite all of your family to watch you belong to Jesus. I want you to invite all your friends. I want them to pile in, even if they aren't church-going people. You just tell them, well, I've got the perfect church for non-church-going people. All right, you just come right now because I want, to, I want you to see me get baptized. I want you to be baptized. I want you to invite all your family and friends to watch you and see with their own eyes that you belong to Jesus. Baptism is so powerful like that. But even beyond that, the idea that people see that you belong to Jesus is powerful. It's powerful. I want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Any, let's hear it for the mothers in this place. Can we clap our hands for the moms? Moms, it is so powerful when you worship God in such a way that your children absolutely know that you know Jesus and that you belong to Jesus. Dads, it is so powerful when you live for God in such a way that your children know that you live for Jesus and you belong to Jesus. It's powerful. So this story starts with Andrew finding Jesus. Andrew tells his, his bro, Simon Peter, then the story shifts to Jesus walking up to a guy named Philip, and he says the words, follow me. Now, an excited Philip finds his friend named Nathaniel, and he tells him, we have found him. Who is the him he's talking about? Verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, I want to tell you, Philip does not undersell Jesus here. He doesn't say, I found a cool guy. He doesn't say, I found a guy that's pretty good. You ought to check this guy out. This guy's neato. He doesn't, he, he, he says, I have found the one that Moses wrote about, that the prophets foretold. Everybody's been looking for this guy. Remember Abraham? He was looking for this guy. You remember Joshua? Joshua was looking for this guy. Adam and Eve were hoping for this guy. Everybody in the Old Testament is looking for this guy. And we have found him. Have you found him? How do you describe Jesus to somebody? How do you describe him? I found the healer. I have found the one who gives us victory. I have found the one who forgives us. I have found God reaching for us with human hands. I don't know how you, how you pitch Jesus to somebody, but I tell you, you would have to work really hard to get it adequate. 
right? You've got the, the used car salesman. There's like this car, left the car, door falls off. Says, car's got an excellent motor in it, right? Like, let me tell you about this car. One car family, one owner. Yeah, there's a mafia boss. There's blood stains in the back. Don't look in the back. Right? But this Jesus... We don't need to undersell him. You see, that's what's wrong. Let's just go there. Not in my notes. But that's underselling Jesus to tell someone about your pastor rather than Jesus. It's underselling Jesus to tell someone about the dynamic worship team and the cool lighting at your church rather than Jesus. There is nothing like telling somebody about Jesus. And my goodness, Lord, church, we need to be good at telling people about Jesus, don't we? Lord, can you pray that right now? Lord, let me. Make me better at telling people about Jesus. Lord, help me to tell my family about Jesus. Lord, help me to be quick to tell people that I have found the one. I have found the one. Oh, Philip does not undersell Jesus. He says that we have found the one we have sought. The one we've been looking for. Moses told us about him. Where does Moses tell us about him? Well, here's one place, Deuteronomy 18 and 18 is a good one to know. Moses says these words. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. Everybody's been looking for that one who is the very word of God. Philip says, we found it, Nathaniel. We found the one that all the prophets told us about, all those wonderful verses in Isaiah, Micah, Habakkuk, Daniel, Jeremiah, Zechariah. All the prophets were looking for him, and now we have found him. Do you feel like Philip is beyond excited here? I hope you feel that way about Philip, because I guarantee you he is. He's excited enough to tell his friend. Lord, let us be, let us be that excited. He is delighted to invite his friend Nathaniel to meet Jesus. And now let's read Nathaniel's response. So we just gave you, we kind of we just led up and gave all this. It's a really big moment. He's, he's really laying it on. He's really telling him everything about Jesus. So how does Nathaniel respond? Here it is, verse 46. He says, Nazareth. But he says, Nazareth with an exclamation point. I think there should be a question mark too. There's a big difference between Nazareth with an exclamation point and Nazareth with an exclamation point. Question: Would you would you get it? Would you agree with just an exclamation point? That might be a little bit more Nazareth, but exclamation point with a question mark. That's more like somebody help me. Nazareth, like that. I I think it's that, but. Hebrew, uh, Greek doesn't have question marks or exclamation points, so we're, we're just trying to get it together. So he's questioning Nazareth, and he says these words. He asks this question, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked. So all Nathaniel seemed to hear was Nazareth. That's all he heard. He missed the part about Moses, missed the part about the one. He missed the part about all the prophets. He missed the part of Philip being beside himself, excited. And he was just like, Nazareth, what? That's what he was saying. 
Nathaniel wanted to meet the Savior, but not if he was from Nazareth. A little bit in there. It's really interesting. I'm really interested in meeting the one, but Nazareth, you have lost it, my friend. Philip, you're crazy. Nazareth was a small little town with no great history. No one famous was from Nazareth. I found this really funny, a funny response because Nathaniel is from what city? Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a small little fishing town, and the, meth- the name Bethsaida literally means house of fish. <laughs> there is, there's a great restaurant called Fish Shack in Plano, right? I think from now on we'll call it Bethsaida because it's basically house of fish, Fish Shack. So nobody famous is from Bethsaida. It smells like fish there, guys. It's just a place to put your your hook in the water and catch fish. And he has the audacity to put down Nazareth. I just find that really funny. So he receives the invitation, but right here at the beginning, it seems like Nathaniel is dismissing the invitation. Philip excitedly and boldly invited Nathaniel to meet Jesus. But Nathaniel was a big, wet blanket. Nathaniel kind of sucked all the joy out of the room. Sometimes you invite people and they are excited, but sometimes you invite people and they are dismissive. But listen, never stop. Never stop inviting. Invite them again. Invite the very people that dismiss. Wait a little bit. Pray a little bit. Invite them again. But what if they make fun of the way I believe? Well, that's exactly what Nathaniel did to Philip's invitation. He's like, Nazareth, you're crazy. He is now, by making fun of of this Jesus guy being from Nazareth, he's really making fun of Philip, thinking he's the one. But watch what Philip does. Learn from Philip right here, verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Philip says these words. I want you to memorize them. Come and see. Say those three words. Come and see. One more time. Come and see. Philip invites Nathaniel again. After he had a good old laugh, after he made fun of him, after he gave him an eye roll and said, Nazareth, he invites him again. I love what Philip does. Learn this strategy. Philip excitedly says, I have found him. Jesus is awesome. Look what God has done for me. Gives him the testimony. All that stuff that you have done in the past. He gives it to him. Nathaniel makes light of Philip's experience. He puts it down, says it's probably not all that you think it is. You're probably wrong. God, that miracle that you say happened, it was probably just a coincidence. You know, it's, you probably are just, you know, in a weird place. You probably had too much pizza that night, and you, you're just in a weird place, man. That's probably just kind of putting him down. And then Philip says, come and see. What does that really mean? Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Jesus has 
done so much for me, but that is not why you should believe. You should come meet Jesus for yourself. Come and see is a great invitation. We Christians sometimes get the invitation backwards. Can I give you the wrong idea? Here's the wrong idea. This is the wrong idea. Don't actually think that this is the right idea, Kathy. This is the wrong idea. All right, good. Got it. Here's the wrong idea. Believe and then come. We Christians do this. Believe and then come. Believe and then come. Somebody nod if y'all think I'm, on, think I'm on the right track. Good. Some of y'all think I'm on the right track, but I'm going to keep going. Good. Believe my testimony and then start coming to church. Believe my view on the Bible and then start reading the Bible. Believe in God and then start praying. This is the wrong approach. This is not the approach of Phillips. Remind me again, how did Jesus approach people in these very stories? Philip, for example. John 1.43 says this, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Is belief in there? No, not at all. An invitation to follow. An invitation to come and then see is in the invitation. Jesus, he, he doesn't just walk up and say, believe that I am the incarnation of God in human flesh. He doesn't walk up like that. Do I believe that he's the incarnation of God in human flesh? Yes, but that's not how he introduces himself, right? He doesn't walk up to him and say, I am the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, the great messianic chapter. That's not how he introduces himself to someone. He, he doesn't walk up and say, believe that I am the fulfillment of all over 300 messianic prophecies. That's me. Believe and then follow me. That's not what Jesus does. Believe that I am worthy of worship and then follow me. Doesn't say that. Believe that I can do miracles and then follow me. That's not what he does. Do you see what he does? This is not Je Jesus' invitation at all. Jesus simply invites us to follow him and see for ourselves. Church is not a place just for believers. Church is a place for people to just come and see. If you're not a believer, oh, please come and see. Please come and check out Jesus. Come meet him for yourself. Sometimes unbelievers walk into the church and like, oh, man, I hope nobody realizes I'm not an unbeliever. Oh, my goodness, I, I didn't take communion. I hope no one saw that. I hope they don't. But big deal. Not a big deal at all. Oh, I hope no one saw me. Everyone else raised their hand at one point, and I was like, ah, and then I put my hand down. That was me. Big deal. Nope, not, nobody cares. We're glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad. To everyone who's struggling with doubt, I want to invite you to come anyway. Come even if you doubt. Come and see if Jesus really is who he has claimed to be. That's what this is all about. Some of you watching online, you might not be a believer. That's all right. Keep watching. Keep testing the waters. Keep looking 
out about this Jesus. Maybe keep peeking inside that Bible and see if something speaks to you. Come and see. And so Nathaniel, he receives not just one invitation, but two invitations from Philip. And then what does he do? Well, he comes and he sees for himself. Verse 47, John 1, 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus is always unexpected when you meet him. That's not how I would have met Nathanael. But that's how Jesus met Nathanael. Nathanael's not a believer yet. True? True. And yet, Jesus is happy to see him. If you don't get anything else, please get this. An unbeliever walks up to Jesus, and Jesus is happy to see him. Jesus is happy to see him. Jesus not like unbeliever, puts the cross fingers in front of him. He doesn't do that. No. He doesn't yell, get thee behind me, Satan. He doesn't say those things. He doesn't throw lightning bolts at him. Jesus is happy to see Nathaniel. Can I tell you these three words? Here they are. Skeptics are welcome. How about this one? Unbelievers are welcome. Atheists and agnostics are welcome. Doubters are welcome. You are invited and you are welcome to come and see for yourself. In verse 47, Jesus gives Nathaniel a great compliment. Anybody remember the compliment? He says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, now here's a guy who will tell you the truth. It's kind of like Jesus saying, now here's a fella who's not going to mess around. He's just going to tell you like it is. It's actually a great compliment. Finally, someone who is brutally honest and not worried about hurting my feelings. Here he comes. And this is like his greeting. It's really interesting. I just find this amazing. Somehow Jesus knew how to greet him this way. And it obviously worked. Nathaniel and Jesus have an interesting interaction. Verse 48. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked Jesus. How do you know me? There's the thing. It's like he already, Jesus must have nailed it. Do you, do you agree? Jesus nailed it. He's like, whatever Jesus said here completely nails it. So to the fact that Nathaniel's like, how do you even know this about me? You're absolutely right. In fact, it probably gets on everyone else's nerves, but somehow Jesus likes it and appreciates it. Jesus answered, this is interesting. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And they have this shared moment. Say shared moment. Jesus and Nathaniel share a moment that no one else knew about. Only Nathaniel and Jesus really know what verse 48 is about. I don't know what verse 48 is about. Only Jesus and Nathaniel know what verse 48 is about. And I think that's perfect. I think they couldn't be any better than that, Jeremy. I think that's right on 
There are moments that nobody else knows about but Jesus and me. There are dreams, there are fears, there are heartaches, and there are joys that nobody can really understand. But Jesus, me. There are prayers that nobody else could even understand. You might even think less of me if you knew some of the prayers I prayed. But Jesus knows about them, and just Jesus and me know about them. It's such a powerful thing. How do you know me? Well, I saw you. I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel was under a fig tree. What was he doing under the fig tree? Maybe eating figs. Have you ever seen a fig tree? Do you know what a fig tree looks like? They're kind of low to the ground. It's actually a pretty good place to hide and just eat figs. I know a certain guy who actually sometimes just goes randomly to places and finds fig trees and eats them. But I would never betray his trust. Nathaniel's under this fig tree. We don't know what he's doing. Perhaps he's praying. That's a very good thing for a Hebrew to be doing. Maybe he's struggling. Maybe he's hiding there, struggling with his faith. Maybe he's there honestly talking to God. You know, he said, now here's an Israelite with no deceit in his mouth. Here's a guy who really tells it like it is. Maybe he's under that fig tree really letting God have it. Talking to God with no deceit in his mouth. He's like letting God have it. God, how can we be your people and Rome has us under their thumb? How can all this be happening where people are hurting and dying in the street? We're poor and we've got no control over our life. And you've given us so many promises, but we have never seen this Messiah you've always promised. Maybe he is just letting God have it. We don't know, but what we do know is there's this shared moment between nobody else but Jesus and Nathaniel. Nathaniel may have felt all alone under that fig tree, but here's the truth. He was not all alone. The writer of the book we've been reading, and I really want to encourage you to read it, called Nobody Left Out. The writer's name is Michael Murray. He's a sweetheart of a person. He was born with cerebral palsy, and this disability affects his motor skills. One of the humbling things I've experienced lately is just texting back and forth with this guy. It takes him a while to text back, and you just know he's, he's texting. He's trying to write me back, and it just hits my heart so bad. His disability affecting so much of his life, but living for the Lord as so powerfully as this author does. His name's Michael Murray. Michael, thank you. You've been a blessing to me just watching some of your videos and reading your book. In his book, on page 28, Michael shares the following quote. He says, and I quote, several years ago, there was a small park near my house I would visit. I would sit on the swing by myself and talk to God about all the things I was angry about, worried about, and sad about. That swing was my fig tree. And looking back now, I can see I wasn't alone. I imagine Jesus saying to me all these years later, Michael, 
I saw you while you were still on that swing. A shared moment. At what moment did you think you were alone? What is your fig tree? Do you realize that Jesus saw you? Thank you, Jesus, for seeing me when I thought I was all alone. I want to thank you, Jesus, for seeing me when I was so angry, when I was so frustrated, when I was so disappointed, when I was so afraid. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing me. The shared moment between Nathaniel and Jesus was impactful. Verse 49, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel went from skeptic to believer. Isn't this right? He, he, he actually goes from skeptic to believer. One more step to preacher. Right here in this moment. Just a moment with who? Just a moment with Jesus. What turns a skeptic into a believer? I want to tell you it's not church membership. It's not a doctrinal stance. It's not trying to believe harder. Let me take a moment on that because sometimes, you know, we're all about faith, but we're like we're trying to faith enough, believe enough. I'll pray a little louder. Ah, I'll sing a little louder. La, la, la. What is sometimes that is trying to believe harder. That's not what turns a skeptic into a believer. Here's what turns a skeptic into a believer. A shared moment with Jesus. I remember being a little boy in a church. I remember looking around. Watching everybody worship, watching people play instruments on stage, watching the preacher preach. I remember watching all that. And I was, remember watching it, trying to figure it out. Here's what I was trying to figure out. God, are you real? And I remember I went down to that altar one day just to ask God. I had a one-sentence prayer. I, my question was, God. Are you real? Simple yes or no question. If God would have said no, that really would have confused me. I came and I asked God, are you real? And something happened in that altar. I can't say I heard the audible voice of God, Courtney, but I felt God speak to my heart nonetheless. And Jesus said these words to me. He said, I love you. I, I was expecting a yes or no answer to my question. God, are you real? The answer to the question, God, are you real? Is Jesus Christ saying the word, I love you. My life changed that day. I became a skeptic. I became a believer. I went from skeptic to believer, not because I, I 
figured out something, but because I had a shared moment with Jesus Christ. I gained more than a piece of knowledge that day. I literally felt him work in my heart. I felt him reach for me and see me and still love me. God saw me in that altar. He saw me and he reached for me. And he did not just start seeing me when I reached that altar. No, he says, I saw you already. Just like he saw Nathaniel. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.